Hey guys, I just want to welcome everyone to church this morning, wherever you are watching, whether you're watching from a house church with City Church up in Albany, whether you're watching at home down in Brooklyn, or wherever you may be, uh, I am excited that you guys are with us, both City Church and Reg Church family, and just believing that God is going to use today to continue to stir our affections for Him. You know, this is part uh, five now of our series called Seven, leading up to Resurrection Sunday where we have been talking about the I am statements of Jesus Christ. And, and this one is, is one of my favorites. Like I said last week, last week and this one are probably two of my favorite ones because it speaks so uh, personally to me, but it's also so incredibly practical for us to be able to put into play the practicing and the following of Jesus Christ. And during this Lent season, uh, Lent is essentially a season that, that we, we take to stop, reflect, and to kind of sustain ourselves or to take something and pull ourselves back so that we can uh, be able to grow more to Jesus Christ. And next Sunday is Palm Sunday, uh, where we, we, it is the triumphal entrance of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and that kicks off Holy Week, which brings us to Good Friday, uh, who if you are a rest church and you're in Brooklyn, service is going to be at 7.30 p.m., and then uh, from there we will celebrate Resurrection Sunday, uh, the first Sunday in April. And so it's crazy to think that the spring is here, quarter one is almost over, and we are literally right up on the verge of Easter um, and everything. But today we're going to dive in, and this I am statement that I want to invite all of us to, to watch, um, if you've known me for a while, you're going to know exactly where I'm probably going to start out and, and go with this. But my hope is that today would, this message would just, just speak to you and that we could practically take this and walk this out. And so if you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 15, uh, where we're going to be looking at uh, what actually was Jesus's last I am statement before he went to the cross. And so the setting of this is, is it's just a few hours before Jesus is uh, betrayed and arrested in the garden and brought to the temple courts and then brought to, to, to um Pontius Pilate and gone back and forth and before he is crucified. And so Jesus knows that this is about to take place. And what he's about to say in John chapter 15, if you were Jewish, you would have completely understood uh, and knew what he was talking about, but not necessarily known that it was Jesus about who uh, he, he, the scriptures were talking about. And, and so it starts out in John chapter 15. Jesus says this statement right here. He says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And again, he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just ask that as we dive into your word, God, that it would just wash over us, Father. 
It would renew our mind, God, and that ultimately all of us will be able to take a step today to abiding in you more and you abiding in us more, God. Uh, As always, I just ask for your gospel to be proclaimed, um, for you to be elevated and made famous on this Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I think what's interesting about this right here is Jesus is making a very bold statement for the Jewish people where he's saying, I am the vine. I am, I am the vine, and, and, and so uh, we've said it like this in the past, we need to get connected to the vine. But in the Jewish culture, they knew all about this imagery because they were often referred to, or in Old Testament scripture, it was often referred to whether it was the nation of Israel or the Jewish people or the people of God were referred to as the vine or as the vine um, the, 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 the vine that people needed to get connected to that would end up producing the fruit. And then Jesus shows up right here and he says, no, 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 I am the vine. You see, in the Old Testament, whenever it's brought up in the major and in the minor prophets, it's really talking about God bringing judgment to the vine, to the nation of Israel because of their rebellion from God. And so Jesus steps in here and he says, look, you've heard that it was said that you were the vine, but I'm here to tell you, I am the vine. I am the vine and whoever abides in me, will I will abide in them. And then he goes on and he says, he actually gives a very clear response to him being the vine. And he says, I am the vine, you, to his disciples sitting around him, you are the branch. You are the branch. And essentially what Jesus is saying right here is, I'm Jesus, I did what you could not do. You tried to follow the Levitical law and you failed. You tried to follow the Mosaic law and you failed. You tried to live righteously and you could not obtain it. Therefore, I need to step in and be the placement for you, the source for you, and and, and do what you could not do. Jesus is essentially trumping them all, saying, hey, disciples, I've got this. You've tried being the source of your own life. You've tried being the source to be able to sustain your spiritual growth. You've tried doing religious things to be able to get you somewhere, and you ultimately have just completely fallen. But I am the vine. I am the vine, and and I've got this. And, And listen, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse 1, Jesus is what we cannot be. I mean, bottom line, Jesus is what we cannot be. And and here's the thing, we all fail. We all fail. Like, Like, if you're with a group of people right now, you should just turn to your neighbor and say, you failed this past week. If you're by yourself, you should pull out a mirror and tell yourself in front of the mirror, you failed this past week. And and here's the thing, just because we fail doesn't mean that we need to stay down. We're going to get back to that in just in just a few minutes. But but we all fall short of God's glorious standard and that is where Jesus steps in right here and he says, "I know that is why I am the vine." Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so listen, if you're hearing my voice right now and you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, I've got a big reality check for you. As a Christ follower, as a Christian, you should be bearing good fruit. 
And, and some of you are like, I'm a Christian, and there ain't any fruit around you at all. But you should be bearing some form of good fruit. Some of us, we have no fruit. Some of us, we've got some really nasty fruit around us, right? And, and this is why so often we, we say that we don't want to judge a person, but we want to judge the fruit of that person. And so what is the fruit of that person that maybe we would look at and judge in our particular instance? Or um, what is the fruit that necessarily we're looking for? Oftentimes people think that it's success. If you're in ministry, we look at it and we say, man, look at the fruit of their ministry. They've got 10,000 people, 10,000 followers on Instagram. Woohoo! And you know, God's been blessing them. God, no, they're probably just really trendy and cool. Like the fruit that Jesus is talking about right here is not having a lot of followers, is not having a lot of money, is not having a lot of necessarily stability in your 401k. The fruit that he's talking about right here, you find in Galatians chapter 5. Gentleness, patience, peace, love. The fruit of the Spirit. The, the fruit of the Spirit. See, we equate fruit to a bunch of stuff, and God equates fruit to the character of your heart, the fruit that's coming from within. You get pushed in a, in a particular situation, you're going to find out how joyful you actually are. Or better yet, how joyful you probably really aren't. Or, or you get in a particular situation um, where your patience is being tested, and you start to lose it, and you start to snap on people, and you realize that, oh, okay, I've got some work to do. I'm not as patient as I actually thought that I was. And so Jesus is saying right here, um, if you don't bear any fruit, you're going to get cut off. You're going to get cut off. And just think about this. If, you, if you've ever gardened or you've ever had a plant, and listen, you don't want me to try to grow a plant or take care of a plant because the plant would survive about two weeks and just die. I'd forget to water it, right? Um, but my wife, who genuinely cares about gardening and swapping out soil and putting the proper amounts of minerals and waters and stuff like that uh, in these plants, she does this really, really well. Um, but if something starts to die as a gardener, you cut it off so that it doesn't bring death to the rest of the plant. And then whenever something blooms and you start to see a harvest, whether it's a flower or, or, or a harvest that you see on this plant, uh, in this particular case, it starts to, uh, the, the fruit of the vine starts to end up coming out there. After a certain point, you've got to cut that off. And if you don't cut it off, it's not going to continue to bear the fruit that it needs to bear. I think that that's interesting because in all of our lives, in your life and in my life, Jesus is going to cut back. Jesus is going to cut back, and he does this because he loves you, and he wants more for you. He does this because he desires to see you bear more fruit. Listen, if there's a church, and I've talked to many churches and pastors, planters, leaders, and man, they're just growing, 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 and like, they just can't keep up with it. Like, man, what's God's word? What is he going to do? He's going to cut you back. Why would he cut me back? He wouldn't cut me back. No, no, no. He's going to cut you back, and he's going to weed some things out so that you can be set up and continue to grow and produce more fruit, to produce more disciples, for us in our personal lives, to produce more joy, to produce more patience, to produce more peace. And in verse 3, already... 
you are clean. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And, and so this right here in verse 3 is simply just talking about the grace of God that is available for you and for I. The grace of God that's available for all of us. And, and here's the thing. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to earn it. You're already made clean because of what Jesus did. All you have to do is accept it and walk in it. That's simply what he's talking about. And then in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. I think that that's a very bold statement. But if I can just be so completely honest with you guys, how often in our life do we get so focused on the fruit of our life instead of the source of our life? How often in our life do we get so focused on how much we can produce in our life, money, um, bonuses, uh, maybe it's children, maybe it's success, maybe it's more cars or more things that we lose focus of where it all actually comes from, the source of all things. And I want to make this very clear. Money and children and houses and cars and success, none of that's a bad thing until it gets to a place where it is elevated above the source of all things. And that's where it starts to creep in or step into sin, and it becomes idolatry against God because we've elevated these things to a higher place than where we want God. Or in this case, where we want Jesus. And what Jesus is saying, hey, you think that you can do that stuff without me? Keep trying. Keep going. Keep, keep trying to do it. You're going to fail. You're going to be let down. You're going to mess up. Because I'm the vine. I'm the vine. Jesus is inviting us into this relationship where we abide in him. He abides in us. And out of that where we focus on the source out of that, fruit ends up being produced. And so look, the next five to ten minutes or so, I just want to get very, very practical. Very practical. Normally I like in these messages and I'm like, woohoo, shooting and, and hollering and shouting. And, um, and I just want to get really, really practical with you guys. And so let me ask you this question. How do you abide? How do you abide in the vine? How do you abide? And, and I, I think that there's some things that we need to do, practically speaking, to help us get connected to the vine, to make sure that we are connected to the source of all things. Uh, the, the first thing, how do we abide in the vine? The first thing is we renew our mind in Christ. When you wake up in the morning, it is a new opportunity for you to renew your mind in Christ. When you mess up, it is a new opportunity for us to renew our mind in Christ. The scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Scripture also says to meditate on these words day and night. Meditation, renewing of your mind, of, of like constantly be thinking 
about the things of the Lord, about the things of Christ, about the things that he's called us and invited us into. Uh, The second thing is direct your will or your actions to align with his will. Direct your will or your actions to align with his will. This is what we see Jesus doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Like, I don't know if you know this, like, he literally said, God, I don't want to do this, but not my will be done, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. And so there's this aspect of our life that when we constantly are renewing our mind, transforming our mind, getting it recentered on Jesus Christ, that there's going to come a point where our will and our actions are going to have a choice where we are either going to decide we're going to step in and be obedient to the will of God or we're going to step out and be disobedient. Bottom line, that is, that is simply it. And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that our prayer would simply be that rhymed, not my will, your will be done. Your will be done. And then number three is that we allow it to transform our affection towards one another. Transform our affection towards one another. And that is simply that the being um, transformed or renewing our mind would lead to our will and our actions being in line with his will and actions, therefore transforming transforming our affection from the inside out. That the, then produces the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and here's, here's some very practical ways. Very practical ways. I'm going to get real, real practical with you. Give me five more minutes. Just get real practical. Every morning whenever you wake up, you have an option. You have a choice. Are you going to abide in the vine or are you going to abide in yourself? By the time your feet hit the ground, your mind is already going one way or another, and your heart is going to follow that. Your heart is going to go, I'm going to go this way, or I'm going to go that way. We have got to, from the moment that we wake up, choose at that very moment to set our mind on the things of Christ, to anchor our soul to the hope of all salvation, and to choose throughout the day to to be able to do that. And, And the best way that I've learned to be able to do this is you need to be able to create systems or disciplines to help foster an environment for you to develop a habit of spiritual growth with Jesus Christ. And, and so just, just a few of them. Uh, daily time in the scripture. Like, like literally taking time, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. And maybe you're on the subway down in New York, or, or maybe you're on the bus up in Albany, and, and, and you're, you're sitting there, you've got this extra time. Man, use that as an opportunity to be able to develop a new habit. A new habit where I'm going to, every time I'm in this waiting period from stop A to stop B, I'm going to read the scripture. If you've got a smartphone, download, if you haven't already, the YouVersion Bible app. If you want a more regimented routine, you can just follow one of the YouVersion Bible app's plans and be able to do that. Um, the, the other is to take what was talked about on Sunday and dive into it even more. That's what some of the groups do, is they take the Sunday sermon, they reread the text, and they have a discussion around it. It's a routine, it's a ritual, it is a pattern. And every day when we choose to say, yes, we're going to do this routine, yes, we're going to do that routine, we're going to start to see a spiritual transformation in our heart and in our mind. It's the same thing as going to the gym. 
Every day you go to the gym, you may feel like you're not making any progress lifting that 25 or 35 pound dumbbell, but you give it time and you're going to start to see the fat shed off and the muscle gain. For us speaking, we're going to start to see the sin nature shed off and the spiritual nature start to strengthen itself within our lives. The other thing you can do is create an environment that is conducive for God to speak and God to move. And, and I want you to think about this. I, I don't know if you've ever been to youth camp, but I've been to youth camp plenty of times. Used to take students to youth camp all the time. But at youth camp, everyone would come back from youth camp, and they would be at a spiritual cloud nine, spiritual high, like, Jesus is the best thing in my life. Yeah, you know, I'm a Jesus freak. And, and, and that was kind of their, their attitude. And it would last for about two to three weeks, and then it would fade out. Well, why was it that they had such a spiritual high? Because it's the same God at youth camp that's going to be the same God talking to you or willing to meet with you at 9 o'clock at night whenever you're in your room by yourself. And you can have the same spiritual experience at youth camp as you can on the subway reading the scripture or as you can whenever you're having your own worship time driving in your car. It's the same God. What was different? The environment. At youth camp, you're literally morning session, morning breakout, afternoon session, afternoon breakout, evening session, um, after party session. You go back to the dorms, then it's another um, improv session, all focused on Jesus Christ. All focused on Jesus Christ. You created an environment that was conducive for your spiritual growth. How often do we do that in our own lives? Practically speaking, why don't you wake up and put on worship music in the morning? I don't know if you realize this, but whenever you go to Chick-fil-A, and I know many of us, if you've been there, you haven't been able to go in in the past year because of the pandemic. But if you go into Chick-fil-A and you hear that music in the background, do you know what that music is? It's worship music. Because Chick-fil-A's owner said, we're going to create an environment where spiritual growth can take place while you're eating the most holy meal on the earth. Chick-fil-A, number one, hold the pickles. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Uh, number three that I would say is, is very practically speaking is parents. Parents, you have an opportunity to be able to disciple your children. Create a spiritual environment for them as well. Um, pray with them. Read the Bible with them. Start to create rhythms in their life. Every night we pray with our kids. Every night our kids pray. Sometimes Allie is like, Jesus, thank you for today. Amen. But then other times, Judah gets very serious in his prayers. Sometimes he keeps praying because he doesn't want to fall asleep. And it's like, all right, buddy, we got to wrap this thing up. It's 15 minutes past your bedtime. But create these spiritual habits. I kid you not, the other day, I was getting done. I said, you know, love you, buddy. Kiss, kissed him goodnight. And, you know, thanks, Jesus, and stuff. And, and I'm walking out, and my son goes, Dad, all you talk about is Jesus. And I was like, you better believe all I talk about is Jesus. Look, if that's what your kids say about you, that is a great compliment. That means you're doing your job. And, and here's something that I want to say to the parents, and it's going to come across a little harsh, but I mean this loving. It is not the church's responsibility to disciple your children. It is not the church's responsibility to disciple your children. The church has your children one hour a week if we're lucky. You have them 167 of the other hours a week. 
How is it that people expect the church to do in one hour what most parents cannot or will not do the remaining part of the week? Parents, it is time for you to step up and to prioritize the spiritual growth and spiritual development of your children. Where the church comes in is the church comes in to support you and to partner with you and to encourage you and in many cases to give you the resources for you to be able to disciple and grow with your children. The last thing I would say is we need to be self-aware. We need to be self-aware of where we are. The other day I, I, I left a discussion and I was really frustrated. I got in the car and my mind started racing and started venting internally, and I got about 15 minutes into this, and I said, no, I need to check my heart, because my frustration right now is not from God. And I literally sat there, and I started checking my heart. Did I say this incorrectly? Why am I frustrated? What's at the root of all of that? And then I started to give it to the Lord. We've got to be self-aware. And when we miss it, we recalibrate ourselves back to step one, renewing of our mind, abiding in the vine. I want you to think about the apostle Peter as we wrap up today. Peter was there whenever Jesus said, I am the vine. Anyone who abides in me and I abide in them, they will produce fruit. A few moments later, after this discussion, Peter turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, I would never leave you. I would even kill people for you. And Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. And sure enough, Jesus went to go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is arrested. Peter gets angry, cuts off a soldier's ear, like not even good at aiming with the sword, cuts off his ear, misses the rest of his face. Jesus heals the soldier and said, hey, calm down. This is not how this is supposed to go down. Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. And while he's there, Peter starts to creep into the courtyard of Caiaphas's house. And a woman recognizes him and said, you're, you're, you're one of the Galileans. And he said, no, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not, I'm not with him. A few more moments go by, and he does it again. And Peter denies, no, 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 I am not, I'm not with him. And then the third time, while he's by the fire, sitting there, this girl comes up and says, no, you are one of his followers. You are a disciple of that man over there. You are a disciple of the Nazarene, of the guy from Nazareth. And Peter, in his anger, starts cussing out the girl and says, No, I do not know him. And at that moment, the rooster crowed. And Peter heard the rooster crow. And he makes eye contact with Jesus as he's being tried before the Pharisees. And his heart just breaks. And Peter runs. And that was the last time that he saw his Savior until he was out fishing and Jesus had risen from the dead and Jesus appeared and Peter saw him. Peter saw him and ran to him ferociously 
because he understood that his position in Christ is to understand that he can run to Christ and not from Christ because Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the vine. Look, you've messed up, get back up. You've sinned last night, get back up on your feet. You're frustrated right now because you've had a rough morning, get back up on your feet, renew your mind, get connected to the vine. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for everyone who is watching this morning. And I just ask that you would bless them and encourage them, God. Let this message be something that we can take and apply to our lives, to be able to live out in our daily disciplines, Father. We love you and we worship you. Prepare our hearts for Res Resurrection Sunday, God. Prepare our hearts for Holy Week to be reflective upon what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.